Welcome to Tablets Parsha in Progress, where we talk about the Torah portion of the week and why it matters. I'm Abigail Pogrebin, author of My Jewish Year, 18 Holidays, One Wandering Jew. And I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, head of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. And we're talking Torah together, not just because the Hebrew Bible is so challenging and relevant today, but because we've found that this ancient text comes to life in conversation, especially between two people who practice Judaism very differently. Hello, Dove. Hello, Abby. We're talking today about justifiable revenge. I know this is one of your favorite subjects. (laughs) You love taking revenge. Or rejoicing at the downfall of one's enemies. Mm. We're looking at Parsha B'Shalach, which means... When he let go, which refers to Pharaoh finally relenting and letting go of the Israelite slaves. After all of the, yes, I'll let them go, no, I won't, Whoa, yes, I'll let them go, all the, the ten, ten plagues, plagues. Like the slaying of the firstborn, and now finally he lets them go and they travel out of Egypt. And he sends his army chasing after them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we're going to focus on whether it's okay that our people actually celebrate when that army drowns right. behind them, specifically when the Red Sea, after parting... In half, because Moses raises his staff, the waters part, the Israelites pass through safely, and then what happens? God closes the river back up, the water, I'm sorry, the the sea back up, and drowns Pharaoh's army, which has been in hot pursuit. Correct. So let's hear some verses to anchor us where we are here in Exodus. So in, it's in chapter 14, I'll just read two verses. The Egyptians came in pursuit after them into the sea, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen. And then it says, God caused the sea to close. And then it ends by saying, the waters turned back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, Pharaoh's entire army that followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. Not one of them remained. (laughs) That's pretty scorched earth revenge right there. And I'm kind of good with it. Really? Because these aren't non-combatants. These are Pharaoh's slave drivers and oppressors. And they're chasing the Israelites who were enslaved for 400 years. They've just let them go. And now they're doubling back once again and flip-flopping once again and going after them. And I just feel like you get get what you deserve. It's enough already. Diana. (laughs) Well, first of all, I'm not sure that the slave slave drivers are the same as the soldiers. And it's also, I think, a really uh, important question whether we think that every soldier bears the guilt of the war that's decided by their leaders and those that are sending them into battle. They're combatants, but how much does that make that mean that they in particular personally are guilty of all of the sins of Pharaoh and the country? Um, But beyond that, I think that even if we can feel, yes, this is justified punishment, I would would say punishment, not even revenge, justified punishment, um, that's one thing for God to meet that out, but it's another thing for the people to sing about it. Right, and this is the parsha with the song of the sea. I think you probably know the Debbie Friedman song. And the women <laughs> dancing with their timbrels. You want me to sing the whole song? Uh, I need some tequila. Uh, all right. Um, so, but cue the tambourines. That's yeah, a song. Exactly. That's like a joyful song, and you're telling me that it like we're, we're basically it's. Uh, well, what were they singing? If they just sang "Thank you, God, for saving us," that would be great. But I'm gonna read some of the verses, okay? And I think that most people are not aware that this is the content of the this song. It's going to be like, there is no Santa Claus. Here we we're go. We're going to be shocked <laughs> by what we're actually singing. Go I ahead. will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed great gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he 
thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He is my salvation. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots, I'm skipping a little, and his, and his host, he cast into the sea. His chosen captains, are dra- he drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Thou, God, didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Talk about dancing on someone's (laughs) grave. It's hard to square the mass drowning with the mirth of the dancing. You're right. Yeah. So, I mean... I feel feel chastened. Yeah, well... Disillusioned. Well, and... You know, I think that it's we should be singing when God saves us. But but what challenges me is the rejoicing in the punishment of the enemies, in the downfall of the enemies. You know, there's actually a verse in Proverbs which says, "In the downfall of thine enemies, you shall not rejoice." Doesn't God say, "How can you be dancing?" What 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 is he right? Say, so it's angels? a famous midrash that the angels wanted to burst out in song when the Egyptians were drowning, and God said, "My handiwork is drowning in the sea, and you think." that you can be, you know, burst in song? Is it my, so, I thought it was my creation. Uh, my people, my, my children. I, the, I think the actual words are ma'aseya die, which is like the, the acts of my hand, my handiwork. But basically but my creation My creation is drowning right. and you're... And you're singing. And you're but, singing. But, but, but Israel, the, you know, the, the, the Israelites weren't chastened. They were saved. But what the Midrash is trying to do is trying to capture the tension of... You know, the, the the redemption and the gratitude that comes with that and maybe a feeling of justifiable revenge or justice and the tragedy of human life being lost. And how do we hold on to both of those at the same time? Well, it also reminds us so starkly that God doesn't separate Jews from non-Jews in this instance. You know, that God is saying, these are all, these are my creatures too. Right. And you can't celebrate in death, essentially. Correct. They're human death. beings. You know, and it's interesting because when we, you know, when we do this ritual at the Seder plate, when we read the Ten Plagues at the Seder, where we dip our finger in the wine and we sort of make a, do a drop of wine on the plate for each and then you're not one of the to Ten Plagues, and you're not supposed to lick your fingers. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the, the common explanation for that practice is that we are shedding a tear and feeling the suffering of the Egyptians as we mentioned the plagues. But also particularly the 10th plague, no? That we are crying right. for the babies. For the, the babies and their blood. So absolutely. And the interesting thing, though, is I think that scholars have researched it and found that it originated in the time of the Crusades and that it actually was a way of saying, you, th- you think these 10 plagues are bad? They're just a drop in the ocean of what you, our non-Jewish enemies, are going to get You know, when God finally meets out justice for all of the evil you've so done So it's not us. just these are, are tears of compassion, but it's ultimately a warning. It's a threat. Like, you think this is just the, this is the tip of the iceberg. We, we, we can do so much worse if we feel like it. Right. Or, no, God eventually will. Exactly. And it's, it, look, look, for an oppressed people to have something that gives them hope and some sense of justice, and they're not always going to suffer, and the people that did these evil things will be punished, I mean, it's really key. I think nowadays, you know, we speak from a position of privilege. We don't feel that sense of oppression. So we can focus in on God telling the angels, don't sing, that the wine is our tears. But I think 
But we, even we, today, we, we want to know that we are, we, we can, even today, we want to know that we can not necessarily get revenge, but get justice when we've been wronged. I mean, no one's lost sight of that, that sense of balancing the scales. Right, you know, and um, I think that there's a difference between revenge and when we personally want to act out on our passions. I think that's why we have courts and judges and police and a system of justice, so justice will be done. But we have to separate, like, justice from revenge. I also think that, you know, even in that context, it's important to remember that the Talmud says that when a court is a Jewish court is executing someone, that it has to treat him with full human dignity. It, ha- it has to remember that the verse, love your brother as yourself, applies even to a person that we're in the process of executing. So that we really have to find a way to hold these two together, like justice and the human dignity in human life. It just reminds me of the controversial prayer in the Haggadah, which I actually only learned as an adult because it wasn't one that we said at our Seder table. Mm-hmm. Um, Pour out thy wrath, which in Hebrew is the... Shvo chamascha el hagoyim. Right, which where is- we, we <laughs> urge God to punish our enemies. Exactly. And, and, and that's not a prayer that necessarily is intuitive for a Seder where you're talking about welcoming the stranger. Well... You're talking about welcoming the stranger, but other people are talking about how we were saved and we were oppressed and we were saved and the non-Jews are always trying to oppress us and God in the end will punish them for their evil doings. So I think it's a question of interpretation. So I guess I'm left (laughs) with the hope that we push ourselves in our community, but also outside it to talk more honestly about self-defense and vengeance Mm. and that balance. And I think there's the tension between the right to fight back and the admonition not to revel in, in revenge or bloodshed. Uh, I would agree. We have to hold these contradictory things at the same time, and that's a tall order. Okay, Dove. Shabbat shalom. We hope you'll join us next time for Parsha in Progress. I'm Abby Pogrevin. And I'm Dove Linzer. Nice to talk to you, Dove. Nice talking, Abby. Parsha in Progress is written and hosted by Rabbi Dove Linzer and Abigail Pogrebin. It's produced by Shira Talishkin and edited by Sophia Steiner-Evoy. The show is executive produced by Josh Cross, Jacob Siegel, and Tablet Magazine.